0: Welcome into NSN Daily. Happy Friday, if it is your Friday. Jenna Holland's directing us behind the scenes. Uh, Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio. Love to get to today. We're going to talk with Jasmine Pitts, assistant basketball coach for the women's program at the University of Nevada, named one of the top 30 under 30. Uh, We're going to chat with her. Uh, And uh, Chris, this is a story that has literally just caught fire in the last 24 hours. A kid from northern Nevada, he's nine years old, uh has the best bracket in the country. And uh I, the, the odds of him picking all this are amazing. He's been on Good Morning America. I don't think he has time for us, but uh it'll be it'll be crazy. It's like do you remember the first time your best bracket ever? Did you pick 10 in a row? Did you pick the first 12? This kid picked the first 47.
1: Yeah, the first forty-seven in a row. I discovered this. Uh, his mom actually reached out to me. So a really cool story that we'll talk about. But I, I don't know about mine. I, I know I haven't gotten the first forty-seven right. That's uh, every single game up to the Sweet Sixteen except for one. So yeah, it really is an amazing story.
0: Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, we'll have our uh, money play of the week as well. It's a bit of a tearjerker, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have fun with that. Uh, big news coming out uh, late yesterday of uh, the University of Nevada men's basketball program. Uh, both basically uh, kind of felt uh, choreographed. Uh, Zane Meeks and Kane Milling both announced uh, that they are entering the transfer portal. Uh, they both were very graceful on social media. Uh, Chris, kind of a tale of two different athletes when it comes to their experiences and what their roles may have been at Nevada, but we did expect some uh, an attrition, a little bit of attrition this offseason.
1: Well, Nevada definitely had to get under the scholarship limit. I mean, they entered this offseason two over, so you knew some players were going to leave. I think some people are probably surprised that it's Zane and Kane uh, two of the first recruits to Steve Alford sign. I think people are more shocked with Zane Meeks just because of how large of a role he had in Nevada. I mean, he started 10 of 18 games last year, obviously dealt with that knee injury that kept him out of the last five games. But I mean, this was a guy who almost averaged 10 points per game, uh, six rebounds per game, led the team in rebounding, very good three-point shooter. So a lot of potential in Zane Meeks. And, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised. I did put in my Monday mail back a couple of weeks ago that we may have seen the last of Zane Meeks in a Nevada jersey just by talking to some people behind the scenes. And, um, you know, there might have been some discord just in terms of his role and everything that was going on with the knee injury, so um, it, it is a little bit surprised, I think, for the average Wolfpack fan, and it's a it's a big loss. I mean, Nevada is bringing in some very talented players. Uh, and those guys will be uh, playing huge roles, but I think Zane was a guy who could have been a a full-time starter for Nevada. Um, You know, in addition to his three-point shooting, he was a very good rebounder. I think the thing that the staff always had a little bit of an issue with uh, was his overall defense, but a very good offensive player, very good offensive rebounder. Um, You know, he seemed like a guy that everybody enjoyed being around, obviously brought a lot of confidence to the team. So um, with Zane leaving, uh, that does clear up uh, and get Nevada under the scholarship limit along with Kane. But um, I think it's a pretty sizable loss. I think this guy, if he wants to, and go sign with a power five school. Now I don't know if that's what he wants to do. If he wants a bigger role, if he wants to be the guy taking the majority of the shots, maybe he goes to a high level mid major. But he definitely has the talent to play at a power five school, maybe somewhere in the Midwest where he's originally from, Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about Zane. I think Zane's going to land somewhere either way. Both of them very, 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 very smart basketball players. They both come from from great upbringings. I mean, uh, you look at Kane Milling. I mean, his dad was a pro. His dad was a coach. How do you see Kane landing?
1: I think maybe like a big West school. So yeah, he is originally from France. That's where he was born, but he also spent a lot of time growing up. Uh, in the San Diego area his dad uh, played for Oregon and UCSB and then went overseas as a player and that's where he's been coaching so uh, Kane's roots are overseas but you trace him back one generation he's got a lot of American influence in him and he has spent some time playing on the AAU circuit so would not be shocked to see if he goes to a big west school we've seen a lot of Nevada players do it Eric Cooper Jr. going to Pepperdine DeVore Ramsey going to UCSB um yeah leland king going to ucsb so i i think kane is still a division one player i mean he was up and down last year but this guy can shoot the basketball and i think that's what really showed in the second half of the season you look at that game against colorado state where he scored 17 points nevada um four of six from three nevada doesn't win that game without kane milling having that kind of a game so um you know i I was a little surprised on him i thought maybe the freshmen, uh alan uh, husinovich and deandre henry who didn't get a lot of minutes might be the ones leaving but you know. After, after every season, the coaches sit down with these guys and they talk about, OK, this is what you did this year. This is what we see your role moving forward. And with Nevada being over the scholarship limit, maybe some of these guys just said, OK, you know, I've had an enjoyable two years at Nevada. And both of them said that in their social media messages. Uh, but maybe my future and a bigger role awaits somewhere else. And I think if you're Kane Milling, I think, you know, the big sky, the big West, I think those are really good options for him where he can be a starter because that was not going to be his role in Nevada. I mean, he was going to be a guy coming off the bench 10 to 15 minutes, try and hit a couple of threes and get a little bit of an offensive punch. But with Nevada upgrading the talent on its roster moving forward, um, you know, that might've cut into his minutes to where he was on the bench even more than this year and his first year at Nevada. So, uh, you know, I wish the best to both of these guys. Uh, this is the business now uh, you're kind of like an NBA team. I uh, don't, get too attached to the players because they come and go really quickly I think we're almost at a, a thousand players in the transfer portal right now so um, it's kind of a year-to-year thing where you're putting your roster together whereas that was not the case 10 years ago where you feel like okay I got this guy for the next four or five years
0: uh, we were talking about this before we came on the air about how there's a thousand young people in, the, in this transfer portal and some people may have the attitude of oh they didn't want to fight for a position or, oh they did well, no, a lot of these players have been basically moved on from and they've had to go on and find themselves another role somewhere else. And that's what Kane and Zane are going to do. If They end up, you know, Power Five or West Coast Conference, Big Sky, Big West. I, I think both of them are going to land on their feet and they're both going to have uh, uh, continued careers and having success elsewhere. I really did appreciate. And I, I saw a lot of maturity in the way that they kind of gracefully said, hey, thank you to Reno on social media, because. It's got to be difficult either way because, you know, you made your commitment to go to some place and you figure you're going to play for four or five years and it doesn't work out for somebody at at the age of 20 to handle it that maturely, I thought was, was, was very, very, um, very, very impressive. Uh, You continue your 2021 player reviews and uh, we'd be, uh, we'd be remiss to not go after the big fellow Warren Washington who stepped into a, a pretty big role at Nevada.
1: Yeah, he started all 26 games. I think he was a really good player this year. He was only a sophomore. He very sparingly played at Oregon State. So this isn't a guy who had a ton of college experience. Um, And he had a little bit of an issue with an injury in high school as well. So it had been a long time since he became kind of like a full-time starter where he was playing a lot of minutes and he went out there uh, you know, 10.6 rebounds per game, made almost 60% of his shots. A very athletic seven-footer. I think that's the special thing about Warren Washington: is he can beat the other center down the court, get easy baskets. Now, maybe he didn't block as many shots as you would hope for uh, out of a seven-footer, only 16 blocks this year. But um, to me, he was the fourth best center in the league. And there's some really good centers in the Mountain West this last year. Name is Kate, uh, uh Nathan Mensa. Uh, so the you, you know Orlando Robinson might be a future NBA player coming out of Fresno State. So. Um, you know, he more than held his own against some of those high caliber kind of teams. And like I said, he was only a sophomore. So technically he does have three years of eligibility left if he wanted to use all three, because this year didn't count. So just thinking uh, into the future, this is not a guy who's going to step out to the three, like a lot of modern bigs, but um, very efficient down low when he was aggressive. I thought his offense was really, really good. He more or less did a good job of avoiding foul trouble. Um, So kudos to him on that. But yeah, a ton of potential for this guy. And I think if you're grading his season, he comes out around an A. I mean, I think he had a really really good campaign.
0: I i really like to see the fact that he was able to hit the court and and be himself and, and get get the opportunity to play. You could really see it sometimes in his face when when these players you know go somewhere early on and it doesn't work out. And oh there's the uncertainty of the transfer and but to come in and start that many games and you're right, get up and down the floor. I mean he he runs like like a big is not supposed to run. He runs like a wide receiver sometimes, but uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited to see Warren Washington and what he does over the next uh, few years. Uh, same with Cal Troops so down South. Uh, of course, UNLV makes a, a big move by hiring Kevin Kruger and promoting him from within to their head coaching job. And as we uh, alluded to on this show earlier this week, Lon Kruger, is dad is leaving Oklahoma. And uh, a lot of news outlets are saying that he's calling it quits. He's retiring from basketball after 45 years of coaching and I don't think that's accurate at all I think he's moving to Vegas and he's probably going to be a consultant for his son in some way shape or form Um, I've seen other reports that that's what's going to happen Um, this is I mean that's a big move if you're Kevin Kruger and you get to have a basketball mind on your bench that is a power five mind 45 years of coaching former coach at UNLV um, you know you don't have any shame in going dad what you do here you know
1: former NBA coach as well. Um, I don't think he's going to officially join the staff this year. I mean, you have a a young coach uh, and he's trying to establish his brand. He's trying to establish that he's the guy in charge of the program. If you bring in your dad, I think that kind of sends a poor message. Now, does that mean that he's not going to talk to his dad all the time? Of course, he's going to talk to his dad all the time. Of course, his dad's going to go out to practice on occasion. But I do think if you're a Kruger too, you want your son to be having the ability to go and start his career without it looking like it's kind of a puppeteer situation. So I think he'll be a great asset uh, to Kevin Kruger as he tries to build UNLV up. We talk about the transfer portal, UNLV has six scholarship players in the portal over the last three days. So they're gonna be rebuilding some things as well. But um, yeah, I I think long-term he's gonna be a big piece of what UNLV does basketball wise. Uh, Would not be shocked if he became some kind of like director of operations over both programs and really help the women's program and the men's program. Like you said, he's a great basketball mind. Uh, You'd be foolish not to lean on his kind of knowledge. Um, I just don't think that necessarily he's going to be on the bench during games, just because like that might uh, undercut what Kevin Kruger is trying to do in building his program. But I'm sure this was all in the works behind the scenes. I don't think, uh, you know, now it makes a little bit more sense that hire. Uh, I think long-term as you're trying to build this up with Desiree Reed Francois, uh, their athletic director, um, you know, it, people kind of picked at the higher as, as well as me. I still think that maybe they should have gone out and got somebody a little bit more established like Alon Kruger um, and try and have him re- rebuild the program. But um, it does make a lot of sense that Alon is coming back to Vegas and he's going to have a hand in what the Rebels do moving forward, because this is a guy who all he did was win no matter where he was at.
0: Yeah, I don't see Alon wearing a suit anytime soon. I, I think, I think you Alon, I, I don't even see him having an office on campus anytime soon. Uh, Maybe he'll have a a cubby or a cubicle or something like that, but I could definitely see him being brought on as a special consultant sort of thing. And a lot of those consultations may occur on a golf course or may occur in a backyard next to a pool while barbecuing in Las Vegas. So he can enjoy his, uh, his retirement, but at the same time, coaches like Lon Kruger, I mean, you, you can't get basketball out of their blood. I mean, but if you have this opportunity to, to be all right, you know what, my son is running the place, but, here are some things that I'm seeing and, and to be able to have that sort of resource is, is, is really priceless. And kudos to long Courier because he's one of the better guys I've ever had the chance of encountering and covering the scenes in the business. He's just a really nice guy. He's just a really good guy, but uh, yeah, things brewing down in Vegas. We'll see um, what happens with the half dozen transfer portal entries and um, what the rebels do next coming up next here on NSN daily. How is your, NCAA bracket holding up. I guarantee that a nine year old has you whooped. Beat me up. Love that story coming up next. You know, Chris, there are times when stories come across our desk. We get an email, we get a tip, and sometimes you're kind of like, I don't know. That might be bogus. Or that might be somebody that's you know, trying to get attention. Um, this one is definitely not. Uh, you did the research on this. Grant Anderson is a nine-year-old who picked the first 47 games correctly in the 2021 NCAA tournaments. How how, uh, how skittish were you of this when 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 this was brought up to you?
1: You have to kind of question how accurate is this, right? So uh, his mom, Fish Anderson, who played basketball for Nevada in the early 2000s, reached out to me um, and said, you know, we just saw that our son has almost a perfect bracket. And you know, you're like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I asked, and it was kind of a weird ask, like, can I get your login credential information? It was on CBS Sports Network, like, just so I can verify it. And, and they passed it along, and I looked, and yeah, uh, he got his first 47 out of 48 games right. Now, if you go to nca.com, they had a story, and they, they looked at all of the ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, SI, Bracket Challenge brackets, and according to their research, all of those on the public forum had busted by the 28th game of this year's tournament. Um, so Grant did this on his mom's iPad that was sent to him by his aunt to do a private bracket. So it's not on the public bracket and legitimately he got the first 47 games wrong. Or right. The only one he got wrong was the Kansas USC game. He picked Kansas USC ended up winning that that was the last game played on the first four days. So, uh, the best that was tracked publicly was 28 games. And this kid goes 47 games as a nine-year-old. Um, who actually turns 10 this upcoming week, a fourth grader at Nick Polakidis Elementary School, which is the same school that my son goes to. Um, So yeah, it was just a super cool story. And I I wrote it up, I put it out there, Rex Chapman, who has more than a million followers on Twitter, retweeted it. So it just kind of completely blew up and everybody was giving the, uh, the kid kudos. So uh, congrats to Grant. It was actually one of seven different ballots that he put out there. He did do a bunch of different brackets. Um, his second best bracket had uh, got like uh, 26, uh, 27 correct games. Um, so there was certainly some luck involved, but I mean, some skill involved as well. So, so kudos to Grant for putting out such a great bracket.
0: Well, he's not eligible to win any prizes though or anything. I was reading that and I'm like, that's tragic. We can't get this guy a trip to Disneyland or something. I mean, it's, uh, that, that, that's tragic to me. And then Good morning, America. He, they called him on to interview him, and, and the interview got bumped or something.
1: Yeah, so Good Morning America reached out to me uh, to get the information for the mom, so I passed that along to them, and he did tape that yesterday. Uh, it didn't run in this morning segment. They saying they're they're going to run it uh, before the NCAA tournament games tomorrow. So just fun how a kid from Reno gets a little bit of national shine. But the unlikeliness of this is crazy because of how many upsets there's been. You got a yeah. number fifteen in the Sweet Sixteen. You got a number twelve. You got two number elevens. You got a number eight. So the odds, according to NCAA.com, of getting fourteen of the sixteen Sweet Sixteen teams right is 0.000158 percent that's 14 out of 16 grant got 15 out of 16 15 out of 16 was so unlikely that the ncaa didn't even crunch those numbers so this is more than a one in a million chance it's like one in a billion one in a quintillion chance that he would put together this bracket uh, and the funny thing is, is it wasn't like his main bracket in their main thing that they were doing so they didn't actually notice it until like monday night when USC was playing Kansas because he had filled out a couple of them. But, yeah, I mean, I went out there and verified it. And, you know, a couple of people on Twitter are like, this can't be real. But, you know, you can't change your picks once they're locked in. And yeah. I went right into the bracket. And, uh, you know, just a great job by Grant. I, uh, it kind of sets the standard high moving forward, though, right? I don't know that he's ever going to have another bracket this good in his life.
0: Yeah, peaking at nine years old. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe he's destined for MIT or something like that or Caltech. Uh, who's he got in the natty and who's he at winning it?
1: So he actually has, so the 16 teams left, he has the eight teams favored getting to the elite eight. So that's looking good. He has Baylor over Gonzaga in the championship game as well. And those are certainly the two favorites from each of their sides. So it would be a super cool thing if this kid ends up doing the entire bracket, missing just one game. He didn't have Kansas moving forward into the elite eight. So that one's still alive. So he's still got the the possibility of, of going through the entire bracket with just one miss.
0: Congratulations on your instant fame, Grant Anderson, the wonder kid, the nine-year-old here from Reno. A lot of fun, and thank you to Tish for sharing uh, that story with us. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, she is an outstanding assistant women's basketball coach at the University of Nevada, and she is being recognized for it. We'll talk with Jasmine Pitts coming up next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. It's an an elite list of uh, coaches across the country. The, The WBCA's 30 Under 30, uh, Women's Basketball Coaches Association's uh, Top 30 Coaches Under the Age of, of 30. Chris, uh, you and I were joking before we came on with Coach Pitts that I can't remember when I was under 30. But uh, uh, Coach, uh, tell us about this this honor, what it means to you to, uh, to be recognized like this, one of the top coaches in the country under 30 years old.
2: Uh, for one, it means a lot. I'm just grateful. Um, it, it's really a testament to, to the people that I work with. Um, I, I call coach uh, Levins my coaching mentor um, just because you know playing for her as a young player and, and just you know developing and um, taking on a leadership role throughout that that time of playing under her and then um, her bringing me under her wing here to work at Nevada um, first as a graduate assistant then as a uh, assistant coach it just means a lot in it and she's really taking the time to help mold me into a better coach so I just have to really give um, praise and accolades to the people that I work with and then on our staff, you know, Coach G and, and Ashley, um, I, I just think they do a great job of pushing me every day and, and helping me get better, helping me, you know, when I have dumb questions in my mind to ask them or um, I'm, you know, the baby on the staff. So I feel like I ask a lot of questions and, and might not know all the answers, but um, I'm just thankful for the people around me that have really helped me grow and, you know, receive this honor.
1: When did you know you wanted to get into coaching and what was the allure of, you know, going from that player into a coaching position?
2: Uh, so I knew like probably halfway through my sophomore year um, in college so I was still playing for Amanda at that time and um, I just came to her I was starting to have a lot of injuries you know with my body and and my body kind of wasn't moving and at first overseas was the goal and I was like okay I can go play overseas and then I'm like okay you're five three and you know like you're not laterally moving the same I started I had bulging discs in my back so injuries just kind of took my plan, my plan dreams away, but I was like, I can, I can see myself coaching this game. I can see myself doing what my coaches do. Um, and then so I just started asking them questions. I'm like, coach, like how do I get into this? What do I need to major in? What do I need to do?
0: Coach, tell me about the transition of this team in the last 365 or so days. Um, the elephant in the corner is that there were there were a lot of there was a lot of movement this offseason. A lot of players decided to move on some players decided to stick around well what tell me about the growth of this group of women and and the honestly being an example for not just the university of nevada athletic landscape but for all of athletics in, in being a program that listens to each other and has, has grown with honestly I watch you 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 play and I watch this team play we've had to do it from a distance this is a group of people that love each other you can see just on the sidelines Just the, the enthusiasm don't get me started about the low burn flame that you've got. When I watch you coach, you got the glasses down a little low sometimes, but tell me about this program and the growth it's seen last year.
2: Yes. So you said it best. This, you can see it. And I'm glad you can see it from watching us play, but these girls, they love each other and they, they love playing together. And it's been so fun to coach this group. Um, Just the energy that they bring, um, and the willingness to have a growth mindset, like Coach talked early in the season. I remember um, just in our first few practices and our our few weeks of um, getting to go live action. She's like, you know, we got to be bought into a growth mindset, and I think these girls really bought into doing that. They had the competitiveness and they had the like the will and want to get better. Um, and just to like want to do things right you know so as we gave them coaching it was easy because they wanted to do they wanted to do the right thing they wanted to get better and so it just made you know it made the coaching part easy we we gave them the tools and we pushed them every day or we tried to at least Um, but it it was on them to take it out there and do it and it helped that they liked each other that they hung out outside of as basketball as much as they could with COVID Um, but it's really just a group of girls that really clicked and got along and You got to see that on the court and it was fun to, you know, play. It was fun to watch. It was fun to coach.
1: I don't know that there's ever been a harder time to be a college coach because of the transfer portal, because of social media, just because of a lot of potential distractions. And then you throw a pandemic on top of that. I'm curious, how much of coaching is X's and O's and player and skill development for you? And what percent of coaching is the things away from the court and just making sure that that player is feeling loved and is in a good emotional mindset and is ready to go out there and perform at their top level?
2: I'm glad you asked that, because I love uh, the other side of things. I love the the outside of basketball part. Um, Getting to build relationships with these young ladies, like, I just feel like that's why I got into it. I I played point guard, and I felt like building relationships with my teammates was something I really took pride in. Um, And so when I got to step into a coaching role, um, now I'm no longer your peer. Um, I'm in an authoritative role, but still finding ways to build that relationship and bridge that gap and use my experiences to help you along the way. So, um, you know, with this pandemic, trying to make sure our players are okay, we couldn't have, you know, team gatherings as much. We couldn't have them in the office as much. So we just found ways to, you know, work around it when we were together, um, enjoying each other's company, talking to our players, having check-ins, you know, when they come in our office, we sit with our masks on and, you know, get to chat with them for you know, 10 to 15 minutes, just seeing how their day is going. But those things, they mean so much because getting to know the player um, off the basketball court and getting to help that young woman develop is what we strive to do here at Nevada. So when they leave Nevada, yeah, we hope you had a great basketball experience. That's going to come because we're going to work hard on the floor. But outside of that, you can still call us up. We still have that relationship of what are you doing in your life now? Hey, are you coming back to watch the game? Are you coming back? You know, what's your family doing? Those kind of things. So that's what you know that's the the experience I've had with my coaches, Coach D and and Amanda, um, and that's the experience I want our players to leave and have with us.
0: Nevada Women's Assistant Basketball Coach uh, Jasmine Pitts, one of the thirty under thirty uh, award winner this year. Uh, Jazz, we we talk about it, it. Our our culture, our business is dominated, uh, unfortunately, by by male coaches. Women's coaches continue to break down barriers, um, and when it comes to Male coaches, we always try and credit the wife that supports them. How about you? I want you to be able to give some credit to Darren. You're a mom. You're a wife. Uh, what's it? What's it like? I mean, Darren has to when you have to go on these road trips. We talk about maybe Coach Mummy or or some of the uh, Coach Ulford and and people having to support the family. Darren's got a. He's got a. He's got to take care of the to take care of the ranch when you're on the road. Yes um
2: I my husband he is just I don't know I can't say enough about him um he supported me in every venture every journey when I wanted when I was just a GA and I wanted to move out across the country and I'm like hey please come with me and he's like (laughs) all right let's go you know like so he's supported he's known that coaching has been a dream of mine and he's really gotten behind that so um it's not an easy thing to do um because like you said you know it's the stereotype I guess for the male to be in that role and you know the wife to follow along Um, and my husband he just you know he takes care of home he's a behind the scenes guy Um, I I laugh and say sometimes I'll send our daughter um, to Illinois to stay with my mother Um, when it's extended road trip so he has to man the dogs and I'm like okay take care of the dogs in the house and make sure everything's in place when we make it back home we have a house to come home to but he you know he does it every time house is clean dishes washed and you know sometimes it looks better than when I clean it so I have to give him all the credit and accolades for you know just being by my side every step of the way.
1: You've mentioned a couple times you played for Coach Levens at SIU Edwardsville uh, you know back in the early uh, 2010s and then uh, coach gonzalves was also your assistant coach so what's it been like to you know go from a player for both of them to kind of a confidant and a co-worker as an assistant coach and and how have those two coaches maybe changed from when you first met them when they were coaching you uh to now you know a decade later where you're you're you know trying to build a d1 program up to a championship level
2: Yes, they're so much nicer now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely an adjustment period. Um, I remember like when I first came um, as a graduate assistant, I was a little like nervous because you're so used to them, you know, in that authoritative role, like you can't really say everything around your coaches and, you know. Um, but and it's still taking me a while to call Amanda Amanda I'd still am like coach or coach Levin so I've dropped 11 now sometimes I'm just coach now it's Amanda um, but coach G will always be coach G she's never going to be Laura <laughs> for me It <They> just <laughs> but um, no I, I've definitely enjoyed the transition and I, you know I, I just can't say enough of about how great of people I think they are um, and you know they've taken me under their wings since a freshman in high school until now so just appreciative of them, but I have definitely enjoyed um, working with them and being on the other side of things and getting to see why they did some of the things that they did when I was a player and understand like the thought process behind it.
0: Coach, uh, so many people don't have kind of the outlet during COVID for the last year. A lot of people have, you know, been kind of uh, bored in the house and in the house bored. I mean, they've been that sort of thing. Uh, What have been your outlets aside from basketball? What has kept you sane through this whole thing?
2: Oh wow! Let me tell you, um, books and my Bible. Honestly, um, during this time, I actually got to start up a small women's group, um, a Bible study group. Um, that I just I, I I covet so dear to me. It's it's like the best thing that's happened to me um, in the past few months. But just being able to lead that group and really study my Word, um, build a better relationship with uh, with God. Honestly um growing in my faith has really helped me you know not go insane during this COVID and being stuck in the house I'm already kind of a homebody but I don't like not being able to go anywhere like to have the option um but yes and also just reading books you know books for my growth um you know and, and sometimes books for leisure but mostly books that like I can take something from and grow as a better coach in person
1: so any book recommendations for us? I've got obviously- That was my question. So yeah. Behind me, like what, what should we pick up?
2: Yeah, so right now I'm reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown um, and it's it's a good read. Um, it's it's really just like kind of about vulnerability and um, but I've been taking it and just kind of relating it to my coaching life and um, how I can you know be a more vulnerable coach to my players um, but also more vulnerable in my personal life to help me grow as an individual. So I would say that's my top recommendation right now.
0: See that Chris, that shows you the depth between me in the shallow end of the pool and jazz is I'm reading Yes Chef by Marcus Samuelson, uh, his, his memoir, even though it's a great story it's yeah. well, the the one bad thing is I've had to realize that I have to have I had to buy reading glasses. I'm at that age now where I'm I can't see anything. Uh, jazz, last thing before we let you go. Looking at the future of this this program and what you have coming back, I mean, the shelves are full. You've got a great coaching staff. You have to just be like, can we start next season tomorrow? I mean, you have to be very excited.
2: Yes, extremely excited. We actually get back on the court today for our uh, postseason training. So um, that dream did come true. We're going to be jumping right back into it, preparing for another year. And I told Coach, I say, you know, this year we turn some heads. Next year I want to break next. So, like, we got to put in the work. Um, and we just got to grind and get to it. Yeah.
0: Coach Jasmine Pitts with the women's basketball program, uh, one of the top 30 under 30 coaches in the country. Uh, just rewarded with that honor. Uh, thank Katie Ryan for setting up this interview. Katie Ryan with the uh, athletic department never gets enough credit for uh, the great job that she does connecting us with coaches and athletes. Uh, Jazz, we appreciate the time. I can't wait to see you guys on the court in person. It's, it, yeah. We love televising your games, but it sucks not being able to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: well, thank you guys so much for having me. And you guys have a great rest of your day. All right. Well,
0: much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. This segment sponsored by the following. It is Friday. That means it's for our uh, dollar loan center money play. Of the week, uh, sometimes it happens on the courts. Sometimes it's just something, something cool, give you a little more uh, faith in humanity, and uh, we need a lot of that right now. And uh, this one is a faith in humanity story, by far. Um, Petty Officer First Class Katrina Rozier has been serving on her third deployment during, uh, during our time right now, uh, stationed at sea with the Navy Seventh Fleet. Her thirteen-year-old daughter, Tamara, uh, had not seen her in 195 days, and. They put together a surprise reunion at the Young Girls Middle School in Alabama. Um, they've only been able to communicate through Zoom calls, Chris. Um, I have a tough time keeping it together when I see video like this, um, because it's just, you know, I come from a military family and those that sacrifice and I don't want to say give up their freedoms, but, but but give up some of the simple stuff that we can take for granted on a daily basis having mom and dad, having a daughter or a son around to protect our freedoms is amazing. I would imagine you as a father, uh, that would that would strike you in the heart a little bit harder too.
1: Yeah, like you said, almost 200 days since they had seen each other. Um, you know, They were planning on uh, coming back later in the week. So I think this she knew it was coming, but not in this fashion. So that's what makes it a really cool story for her to be able to see her mom. Uh, like you mentioned, the third deployment and the, the daughter's only 13 years old. So Uh, she spent a good chunk of her growing up without her mom being there. And that sacrifice that the mom is making to protect the country, um, you know, can be difficult on the kids as well and the spouses. So, uh, you know, they have to make sacrifices by not being able to see their parents every day and, uh, you know, kind of growing up sometimes in like a single parent household. So yeah, it's a great story. And I love when we uh, get to see uh, videos of this and these surprises and just the expression of joy, just being able to see your family. I think a lot of us kind of experienced this to a small degree during the pandemic, because we didn't get to see people that were used Seeing, So maybe we get a better feeling for what it's like to lose a parent um, for a a few months just because you can't see them outside of a phone call or a Zoom call. So, um, yeah, really a great story. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they will have a ton of fun over the next couple of weeks as they, um, you know, get to to reunite after not seeing each other for so long.
0: Interesting perspective how mom and and daughter described it is that uh, when the kids are younger, it's harder on the soldier. Um, But when the kids are older, it seems to be harder. On the kids. And this, I mean, she's been in the Navy for 10 years, her third tour. And um, Tamaria even says, you know, quote, the last few times I was younger, I didn't really understand. I was just staying with my grandma. And as a young child, maybe you don't kind of really grasp the situation that um, you know, mom or dad are halfway around the planets, you know, or or you know, in a dangerous situation. But uh, yeah, uh, it's I, when I go down the rabbit hole and I get on YouTube and I start looking up reunion videos. Oh, I'll admit it. I won't be a tough guy. I, I, the tears flow, man, because it's just one of those, one of those glad to see people experiencing that type of joy and the, the sacrifice that families make to defend our freedoms um, really cannot be overlooked. So thank you very much to them. And uh, that's our dollar Loan there money plague of the week coming up after the break, uh, Dwight Howard gets his ring and then gets ejected and the 49ers have made a pretty good trade in the Bucks yeah more on the Bucks. everybody's coming back to the Bucks. we'll have that coming up next uh, Chris let's go to LA for uh, this segment here the uh, the Lakers uh, coming off of their championship run and it's tradition that's you know if, if a player comes back maybe somebody leaves that offseason if they come back they get the championship ring Danny Green and Dwight Howard uh, both uh, stopping by with the Sixers and and get their championship rings, everybody's happy, everybody's having a good time. And tempers flared a little bit out of control pretty early on in this one. At the end of the first, um, Howard not happy, bumping into players, and the ref just quick tosses him and says, you're gone. Um, (laughs) Have you ever seen that before where somebody comes back to get a championship ring and then gets thrown out of the game, not even barely a quarter into the game?
1: Pretty unusual. I mean, Dwight Howard is at this point in his career, he's he's kind of a troll on the court. Uh, You know, he's still a really good player. It's just, he he tries to get under the skin of the opponent. And, you know, he gets a lot of technicals as a result. Uh, You know, just getting bumped into that might be a little bit much, but it was a double technical situation. I know Doc Roberts, uh, Doc Rivers, his head coach was not happy with him. Like, you know, he wasn't trying to blame it on the refs. He's just like, you know, you gotta be better for the team. So um, if there's one guy who's going to do it, it's probably him. Maybe Draymond Green, if that ever happens, because he he's been known to get some technicals, Rashid Wallace back in the day. So there are certainly certain people who, you know, they just um, it's not that they can't keep their cool. I think they just think that's their role is to keep needling people, needling people and try and get them mentally off of their game. And sometimes that backfires and gets them off their individual game. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, so I, I, Dwight did a great job last year. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, rooting for him necessarily this year. And uh, Knight was able to get his ring, though. I know they did that with Ray Rondo earlier this year uh, when he came back with the Hawks, uh, now just traded to the Clippers. Um, but like you said, he didn't get ejected in the middle of that game.
0: Yeah, it, you mentioned some great names there of guys that, you, know, you they were the bad boys. I mean, Rashid Wallace, I mean, he could get a technical walk into the building. Dennis Rodman, Medical Peace, I mean, the former Ron Artest, guys like that are the type of guys that I could see getting ejected from a game Uh say baseball. Uh, is there anybody in baseball that you think if he won a championship and then left could get tossed that quick from a game? I, I think suddenly Bryce Harper just pops into my head.
1: He can be a little bit of a hothead. I don't know that there's anybody who currently has a reputation of being so tempestuous. Uh, you know, that used to be like a Bobby Cox thing. Uh, yeah. Or a, yeah. Earl Weaver thing or Tommy Lasorda thing where the managers are a little bit more at risk, but I, I can't even think of that many players who, uh, you know, would typically get tossed from a game. It just doesn't happen all that often. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like pitchers when they start barking about not getting calls, but there, there's really no like bad boys in MLB right now where they're yeah. like, getting thrown out of games.
0: Well, and I mean, there's, there, there are guys that'll chirp, but an umpire won't throw them out. I mean, Madison Bumgarner, I'm a Giants fan and Madison Bumgarner should have been thrown out of so many games Mm -hmm. for barking at, at not just umpires, but, but, you know, hitters and stuff like that. I mean, he had such a quick trigger and it was just like, dude, what are you pissed about, man? Come on, calm down. Uh, 49ers have made a trade, uh, this morning. And, uh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, trading, uh, to the number three overall pick with the dolphins, um, They trade the 12 pick for the three, Uh, 2021 third round pick. That's the uh, compensatory pick for Robert Sala. And then first round picks 2022 and 2023, you know, um, all off season, I think Niner fans have been like quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Garoppolo, they're not trading it. They've said they're not going to go anywhere. Where do you think the Niners go with this pick?
1: They're taking a quarterback. It doesn't mean he's going to start this year, but you don't up two first round draft picks and a third round draft pick to just move up nine picks unless you are taking a quarterback, that's a quarterback haul. So it's a huge risk, huge reward play. If you hit on your quarterback and you have your quarterback for the next 10 years, then that's more than easy to give up those draft picks. But if you miss on that pick and now you don't have draft picks uh, in the first round, the next two years, that's a major, major problem moving forward. So it all comes down to whether they get the guy that they want. And that's kind of the difficult part is they're at three. They're not trading up to one. So Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. Who's going to go two though. You don't dictate who that second quarterback off the board is going to be. Um, So it kind of puts you in a difficult position because you don't know who you're getting when you give up all this stuff, but they must really like the quarterback class, which is super strong. You're going to have probably five quarterbacks go in those first 15 picks uh, to be able to make this move up. They have to be really, really happy about at least two or three of these guys that will potentially follow them at number three. But I would be completely shocked if they did not take a quarterback with the kind of compensation they just gave up to move up nine picks.
0: Um, we talk about Trevor Lawrence and that's going to be the untouchable one there. Do you think Zach Wilson is still around at three? And I have a feeling you're leaning no.
1: Well, yeah, I would say no, just because all the mock drafts I've seen have him going at number two right now. So is it Justin Fields? Is it Mac Jones, who I think has improved his stock quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the advanced metrics really like Mac Jones from Alabama. Is it Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota state? So those are the, the five guys who are going to go in those first 15 picks And maybe they want Zach Wilson, but you know, it's not going to be up to them, they're not at number two right now. And there might be some other teams to try and leapfrog them to get up to number two. So um, they have to like at least two of those guys who are not Trevor Lawrence to make this trade. And is it Justin Fields? Is it Mac Jones, who was kind of a mid round pick probably a couple of weeks ago and now is moving his way up. I don't think it's Trey Lance, because I think he may have still been there at 12 where they were at. Um, but they have to really love one of those guys. And you have to trust Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's been very good at evaluating players. So um, they're making their move now. They're ready to go get their quarterback for the future. doesn't mean that, like I said, that guy's going to play this year. I mean, Jimmy G is still probably going to be their starting quarterback, but given all the injuries he's been through and the fact that, you know, maybe the 49ers aren't completely sold on him, they're still looking for that long-term quarterback that's going to be the face of this franchise for the next decade.
0: Before we get to the Bucks and everybody coming back with them, um, real quick, the, he was a he was a, a recruit by uh, Nevada a few years ago, and I would never really thought that he was going to come play unless every single Sewell brother was going to play at Nevada. But Panay Sewell, big left tackle, that's offensive lineman in the draft that's coming up. Uh, one of the best players overall. He's just an incredible athlete. Where do you see him going?
1: If it wasn't such a quarterback heavy draft, he would be a top two or three pick. I mean, this is a guy who's going to have as good of a draft grade at left tackle as you can find. Now, he didn't play this last year. He did opt out which may hurt him a little bit. Like he's going in the top 10 for sure, Um, but he's the caliber of a number one overall pick if there weren't all these quarterbacks. Obviously quarterback Trump's left tackle as important as that position is. So he's going to go in the top 10 for sure. I think he's a guy that you plug in and he's going to be a pro bowler from year one. Uh, Whoever gets him is going to be super thrilled. Like barring injury, this guy has a potential Hall of Fame career. College-wise, like he was getting votes for the Heisman Trophy from like Bruce Feldman put him number one on his ballot. That's how good of a college player he was. And he has everything that you would want for that to translate up to the NFL level. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great pick by whoever makes it. I just feel like with so many quarterbacks going high, he's probably not going in the top five, probably somewhere between six and ten.
0: And the Super Bowl champions are now officially, uh, they are set with all 22 starters returning with uh, Leonard Fournette re-signing with the Tampa Bay Bucks one-year deal worth three and a quarter million dollars uh, it's suddenly become sexy to be in Tampa
1: because Tom Brady's there right I mean this is right. going to be 44 years old when the next NFL season starts and still all of these teams all of these transactions they're all loading up to try and beat this guy who's uh, 44 years old coming up here soon so it's pretty amazing and they've done a really good job of holding it all together Tom Brady did restructure his contract to make sure that they could resign some of these guys and, and they're going to be a formidable force again next year
0: Ought to be fun. We'll uh, we'll see and uh, see what the NFL draft coming looming, uh, looming quickly. I'm, I'll be curious to see what San Francisco does or what they have the opportunity to do, because you're right. They are, they are handcuffed a little bit. They're at number three because of what's going to happen uh, before them at one and two. We'll be right back to wrap things up here on NSN daily right after this. Very much want to thank Jasmine Pitts for uh, stopping by the show. Nothing but a bright future uh, seems to be on tap for her uh, with women's basketball at Nevada, see how long Nevada can keep her around because usually coaches that are that valuable, uh, you have a tough time keeping them at the non-Power 5 level. Chris, I'm looking at the calendar, man, 66 Saturday, 70 on Sunday. It snowed here yesterday. Uh, what are you going to do this weekend? I know you're going to get outside.
1: Uh, so I got my mom's birthday party. We're on the birthday party circuit. Uh, March a yeah. big birthday party week for us, a uh, month. Last week was my brother's birthday party, two weeks before that, my daughter, two weeks before that, my dad. So we all kind of crunch in at the same time with birthdays. So uh, we might hit the the driving range. Uh, My wife's been into golf a little bit. So we've been going out over to Wolf Run, which is close to our house and hitting some balls. And it's gonna be perfect weather for that. But uh, first and foremost, happy birthday to my mom, Paula Murray.
0: Happy birthday to Mama Murray, who who follows us diligently on social media. And uh, I, I recall Chris I think the first week that you you started with us and it may have been the first segment that was put on social media and she jumped right on there, like and comment, like and comment. And I said, that's fantastic. So happy birthday uh, to Mama Murray. Get outside this weekend if you can. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. For Jenna Holland directing us behind the scenes, I'm Brian Samudio. He is Chris Murray. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend and we will see you next time.